Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 9, Episode 18. I'm Jack. I'm Javad. Javad, welcome to Season 9. It's your first appearance of the season, I believe. Um, Great as always to have you with me. Um, So, I haven't really properly spoken to you, or not on on air anyway, post the sacking of Poch and the appointment of Jose Mourinho. Mm -hmm. Now, anybody that follows you on Twitter um, will have a bit of an idea about how you're feeling about things. So, before we go into that... Um, tell us a little bit about your podcast, how that's going, how people can listen to it. Uh, Tottenham Family Podcast, yeah, it's, it's been going now for just over five years. Um, it's available on all on all the usual places, yeah. um, uh, uh, iTunes, all the Android devices, Spotify. Recently, well, you've um, got on there review. Yeah, you? yeah. Um, somebody mentioned a listen and like. And it's strange. I don't, I don't know if you ever get that with, with Echoes of Glory where mm. people are like, oh, can you get it on this platform? And I'm sort of thinking, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Why do you need it on Spotify? But actually, it wasn't, wasn't too difficult. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's plodding along and yeah. Fantastic. Well, check it out, Tom Hotspur Family Podcast. If you don't subscribe to it, give it a listen. Um, great show. So the sacking of Pochettino. Yeah. So let's go back to the night of when that happened. Um, and you also sent me an incredible voice note that night that I listened to so many times, which was just about how you felt so numb and you were in yeah. shock. Yeah. Um, so has that feeling worn off at all, or are you still sort of in the um, same I position? Mean the, I mean, I, the, the initial feeling, the first 24, 48 hours, I was in absolute shock. Mm. Really just felt numb. Um, and I, and I appreciate some people will, will, will listen to that and think, well, it's only football, there are, there are more important things in life. And I, and I totally get that. Um, but I can only say how I felt, and that's, that's yeah. how I felt at the time. Um, you know, since then, life moves on. We, we've had, in all the time, I've, I've been supporting Spurs for 30 years. Um, and in all that time, I've had teams that I've you know, had... A, Affinity with a particular team or group of players, and I've just and I've seen each time players come and go, teams get broken up. Um, it's difficult, but that's part and parcel, yeah. and that's that's what's happening here. And it's painful, but it's it's just one of those things. I'll continue supporting Spurs, and that's what I've tried to do. But it's difficult because I I feel a massive sense of I think I, I think there's a complete injustice done with mm. in terms of the sacking of Pochettino. Um, if you look at it. Look at Saturday, and we'll talk about Saturday yeah. in a minute. You look at that performance, and I'm struggling. To, and recent performances, so we've got five points from a possible fifteen our last five matches, and I'm struggling to think how anything is any better under mm. Mourinho. Um, just another stat: first, this is just league games only. First twelve matches, league matches under Pochettino, we got fourteen points. Bearing in mind we had tricky games away yeah. against Liverpool, okay, we lost that away against Man City, away against Arsenal in that sequence. Um, the next eleven under under Mourinho, almost about the same number. Mm. We've got seventeen points, so slightly better, but that's not a world of difference. Seventeen yeah. and fourteen. But I struggle to think what's actually changed, and I just I I think that it was. I get that a lot of people. There's an argument people say that. Perhaps Pochettino took us as far as he could. Maybe he was his his head wasn't in the right place. His comments on the eve of the Champions League final about well, if I win it, I'll um, leave the club. Yeah. That probably wasn't cl- you know. Maybe he was trying to use that as an as an incentive. Maybe he was trying to use that as a negotiating position with Levy. I don't know, but it probably wasn't the cleverest thing, mm. thing to say. And I totally admit that. But um, I just think that he kept talking about this painful rebuild. 
Go back to 2018, the mm-hmm. semi-final defeat against Man United, straight off to that. That was when he first sort of hinted it, and he said, look, we need, we, I've taken the club this far, qualifying for the Champions League, mm-hmm. which is what Enoch wanted. I know this the whole, we didn't win a trophy mm-hmm. type thing. And he said at that point that um, we need to push on to the next level, and in order to do that, we need to invest, and if not by me, another. And then he talked later on about the painful rebuilds. So those problems, those yeah. underlying issues are still there. Yeah. So replacing the manager isn't necessarily just going to fix that. And all that's happened is Jose's inherited those same set of problems. Lack of investment, I, I'm still, I still see from Enoch. They, they, for me, are the ones that are really culpable. Mm. And the players, to some degree. Because you're seeing it in the players' perform- performances. So I know there was that initial bounce back when Jose took charge. But now... You see it on Saturday, you see it in other games, and it's just woeful. Yeah, I mean, ASD wrote in and said, how much is Pochettino to blame for our situation? Why didn't he move players on, and if he couldn't for whatever reason, why didn't he walk? Uh, I don't think that he was to blame for not. I think, he, I think he wanted to move certain players on, but I think, I think that's a failure. For me, that's a failure. Of, we, none of us know the workings of the club, yeah. so I, I, think it, I think it was a failure of Enoch. That's m- what mm. my opinion is from, from the outside. In terms of why didn't he move on, I think he was, I think he was loyal. I think he, he wanted to see the project through. He, he got the first phase. Again, project's one of those words that fans don't like, but he got through that first five years, yeah. and now he was looking to push on and, and, and do the rebuild, re- rebuild. And I don't think he was ever going to walk out on his contract. Um, yeah. And it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because there were plenty of transfer stories. I mean, Danny Rose is the most recent one yeah. where like, we would public in saying you can go. But, you know, if you've got barely any clubs coming in or clubs coming in offering you peanuts, especially to Levy, it's not going to sell, is he, right? Yeah. So I think that we did try to get rid of some players, but obviously the club decided that the deal that was on the table wasn't good enough for them, so decided to, to keep them. I think there are a few players we probably should have Swallowed our pride a little bit and moved on. I mean, yeah. Ericsson should have gone in the summer. Well, I'd argue that Ericsson should have gone the previous summer, 2018. I know if we'd done that at the time, let's say we probably would have got more like 100 million mm. from then. Probably fans would have been in outrage and said, why, why have we sold one of our best players? But with hindsight, that was probably the right thing to do. The board should have said to, to him the summer before last, look, here's a new contract. Do you want to sign? Uh, we, we, you know, we, we, we've you're the future, we want you to sign. Yeah. And if he said no, then they should have said, right, we'll, we'll move you on. Because they, what we didn't want to do is find ourselves in the situation yeah. that we, we got ourselves this summer and now where the player can potentially go for free. I don't blame Ericsson, by the way. He's well within his rights to do that. And also, I think with Ericsson, I mean, he's, he's taken a lot of stick for the last eight months and he's, his performance level's dropped. Yep. You, 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 know, you cannot question that. But I still think for a guy that effectively is working in his notice period, he's behaved professionally is, is turned out do you know what I mean it, yeah. he's, he's been he's still been useful this season in games he's come on he has made a difference nowhere near the level that we would expect him to absolutely yeah. but he's still you know he's not been on strike he's not refused to play like yeah. it's a difficult really a difficult situation for anybody and I, I'm 100% in the camp of he now shouldn't be anywhere near the team because we know he's going but given all the injuries and that that we've had it's been difficult for Mourinho because his arm's really sort of been twisted in terms of it, he's had to play yeah. him. He hasn't, you know, it's, if you're not playing Ericsson, you, you're looking at probably Skip or Wanyama and it's just sort of like, mm. you, you're not going to play either of those two. Would you so. play Lafelle so further deep, but then is he fully fit? I think he's starting to play, 
start yeah. a few more matches, which is good. But that to me just suggests his fitness wasn't yeah. there, and he was trying to. I really like the look of Lascelles. Actually, I think that there's definitely a player in there. Um, the way he receives the ball, you barely ever see him give the ball away. Even mm-hmm. I like that in a player, um, and sort of. This is a bit of an extreme comparison, but sort of the way he is and the type of player that he is. Yeah. It reminds me it reminds me a lot of David Silva, like the way he moves and glides with the ball and you always think he's gonna lose it, but then he just threads that pass through. He's obviously not on the same level, do, but do, do you know who, who, who he reminds me of? I know, I know they didn't play in the same position, but uh, Van Vaart. Maybe oh, yeah. maybe maybe just because uh, Short, low centre of gravity, left footed, foot, the way yeah. he just sort of spins off, peels off. Different players, different players. Yeah, he always just but. seems to me though that he's got all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. Even in the games that are so fast and hectic, he just have a touch, lay it off. So I think I think we've got a really good player yeah. there, and I do think that he was bought with the intention of being that Ericsson replacement. It's just it's been difficult to integrate him, like I said, for fitness reasons. And what have you made of Undumbele so far? Because he's one that's starting to divide fans' opinions yeah. a little bit. Um, I was listening back to the last um, I guess Glory Prod. Um, yeah. And, 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 I, and I sense and I've listened to previous pods and your views and I sense there's a little bit of a, a, a divergence of yeah. views I'm, uh, with the guest last time I, I think he's a good player I think technically you can see that I don't necessarily subscribe to the view this is commonplace with football fans with our fans with all fans where suddenly the player who's not playing is the hero yeah. like, you see, you've got to start him you've got to start him and then he'll come on and he'll have a little cameo where he'll, he'll do quite well, a few, few touches, and that, that's it, you've got, got to start him. No, let's look what he can do over the course of it's like It's like um, uh, uh, Gedeson Fernandez. 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 When he came on at the weekend, I don't know how many minutes, was it 15 minutes? Yeah, from about the end? That. Okay. He looked, Everybody said to me, oh, he looks a player. Yeah, he looks, he does look a player, but you can't just yeah. judge him on, I've seen so many situations where players come in, for little cameos and they look really good and then they fizzle out or they, they don't do it Dombele from what I've seen technically you can see he's a good player but I think he needs to get his fitness levels up there he needs to be used to playing in our league there's the ba- language barrier um, and I think that's he, he, he's learning to speak um, English he's got his mate Musa Sissoko who's yeah. helping him that's along generally um, and I think he would benefit from a defensive midfield player alongside 100%. him, and we don't have that. We have to, we well, we've got Eric Dyer, but and Wanyama, but Wanyama's finished, unfortunately, yeah, physically. Yeah. And Dyer, I, I, I really I like Dyer a few years ago, and I hope that we can see that. And I think he's because he's of his versatility. I think he's a really good player to have in the squad. Yeah. But at the moment, he's not. I uh, still think with Dyer when I watch him, he still looks a little bit leggy and a little bit heavy for me at the minute. Mm-hmm. Like. He, you think back to when he was playing central midfield yep. and he, he could get about the pitch. He mm-hmm. was brilliant at doing that and the hustle and bustle that he brought and the aggression is sort of like, it just seems to me to have lost that little bit of mobility and you hope with a few more games under his belt that he can get that back. Um, and you forget as well, I mean, this is a guy that he's had, he's had his injuries and his illnesses and it's been difficult for him to fully get yeah. over it. So... He's still a young man. Was he 25? 20, 20, 26. So yeah. if, you, if, you, if you go back four years ago, when chasing Leicester, he was 22, 26 now. That's not, he's not massively old. I mean, he, yeah, you're right, he's had his fair share of injuries, but probably the most serious one was appendicitis yeah. and then becoming ill after that and then you know, being out of football for a long time. But he's not had, I'm struggling to think, that he hasn't had a sort of 
like I don't know a succession of like ankle injuries like Kane or uh, serious knee injuries yeah. so it's, it's not like it shouldn't he hasn't had the sort of injury that will sort of slow him down a bit yeah so I, I, I hope in the back of my mind maybe it's wishful thinking in my mm. part but I hope that he can get back yeah. to fitness and yeah. we can see the best of him I, I hope so as well um, ASD also asked realistically how long before we're challenging for a title well, it's not going to be this season. Um, the, pro- the problem is, oh, it's difficult. The problem is, I, if you look at City, they're on a different level to us financially. So uh, Chelsea, although, yeah. Um, and then you've got Liverpool, and I think Liverpool a few years ago, ourselves in Liverpool were sort of outside of that. For, well, still are financially outside of the you know the likes of the Cities and the Chelseas, and but we we're also outside of. Both of us were striving to win the league. Mm. We were, but we were the one that consistently pipped them and finished above them. Mm. We were Klopp, fifteen, sixteen when he came in. Okay, in October and sixteen, seventeen, we were by far the better team and we mm. finished above them. The following season, seventeen, eighteen, we finished above them again, but only just mm. as I recall at the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, they started to close that gap, yeah. didn't they? And then last season, they overtook us, and now they're just miles ahead. And that, for me, is the frustrating thing, that we haven't in that period of time. So we've regressed. Mm. We've now got to undertake this painful rebuild, reinvest, um, a new manager, different ideas, different style of football. Mm-hmm. That's going to take... You, you can see that in the way the players are I mean, used to playing out the back, keeping it on the floor... Mm. It's been a tendency in some games to hoof it up a bit. Mm. Um, different styles. So that all of that is going to take some time. So to answer these questions, I, I I don't know if next season is viable. I'd, I mean, I I would be really really shocked if next season we were in a title race. It would really really shock me. Particularly as the bar has been raised so high yeah. by City and Liverpool. You know, you if if they maintain those same set, set of standards. Basically, to win the league, you're going to need 90-plus points, 95-plus points yeah. even. That is the level that we need to yeah. aspire to. It's like 30 wins, isn't it? Yeah. Effectively, as a minimum to but be in the race. There's very little margin for error. Um, the only crumb of comfort is, if you recall a few seasons ago, when Conte took charge at Chelsea, and I thought, and that was the beginning of the 16-17 season, and I thought, there'll be a transitional period. Mm. His first season wasn't a transitional yeah. period. He went and won the league. So you never know. Yeah. But then, it, arguably, a lot of the teams around them at that point were in transition. You know, the likes of the United yeah. and the Cities. And they went on, a, they had that mad run to us that year. Was it when they won like 15 games in a row or something like that? They went on that insane run and we, we beat them, mm-hmm. didn't we, 2-0 to, to end it. But I mean, you go on a run like that where for a third of the season you're just winning every week. You're almost what Liverpool are doing now. Yeah. You know, you, you're going to do pretty well, aren't you? But um, I think that we're, we're realistically now three or four years away, in my opinion, unless there's something freak happens mm-hmm. like that, from even really being in the conversation again. Because you look, we need to sort of strengthen the areas of the park again. Yeah. Um, and it's been very difficult. And those of you that have listened throughout the season, we've sort of said a few times that all of our players have sort of peaked at the same time. And that's been the difficulty in that, you know, if we had have had those couple of windows where we didn't sign anyone, we'd have brought a few younger players in, you would now would have started to have seen those guys become the first teamers and the other ones phased out. But we haven't been able to do that because of the stadium and other financial limits that we've had. So I think it'll be a while until we challenge for a league title. I mean, you look at Liverpool, I mean... They've not exactly got an old team either. You know, they, they've got players that are in their prime. And it works in cycles, football, doesn't it? Right, and it just sort of seems like at the minute, this is going to be Liverpool's 
yeah. time for the next few seasons. Maybe City could come back next year. You know, they get their defence sorted. They can maybe come back and challenge them. But I mean, we're so far behind them that you think, realistically, the, the aims next season's got to be to get back in the top back four the best, yeah. um, and, and have a decent, decent cup run, decent run in Europe. That, that, that has to be what the aim is. We could still get Champions League this year, but it would take a real, real miraculous turnaround. Um, and there's just there's not been any signs for me in the last yeah. since, since August that, that we can put a run of ten good games together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think any side now that's in and around that top four spot, if you can win seven or eight games on the bounds, you'll probably get in the top four. Yeah. That's how ridiculous it is. Like Sheffield United genuinely are a contender for it, and that is bonkers. Wolves genuinely a contender for it and it's just whatever side out of those two us United probably Woolwich as well because they're only a couple of points behind us put together that run mm-hmm. I think they'll be the side that gets in there but um, I think it'll be why why ISD um, yeah yeah um, Stato sent a very very interesting mm-hmm. question to us on our WhatsApp group which um, I forwarded you and I'll get you to read out so he's given us a list of six um, six answers yeah. and you're allowed to pick Two of them. Mm-hmm. So, do you mind just reading yeah, out sure. what they are? So, pick two of these. Which ones do you choose? Number one, Tottenham win the FA Cup. Number two, win the Premier League. Number three, Enix sell the club. Number four, sign any three players, name them. Number five, your child will play for Tottenham. And number six, free tickets home and away for two people for life. Amazing list. That's <laughs> such a brilliant question. So, what what what's your thought process for that? You can pick two of them. Oh, what different. are you What are you saying? Well. Um, the, the obvious answer the football answer would be one and two win the FA Cup win the Premier League mm. I'd, love, I'd love us to win the Premier League more so in some ways than the FA Cup because the Premier League we, we, we've not won a league title since, yeah. since 61 you're soon going to get to a phase where the, the few people who are alive in 61 yeah. are going to be dead and even the ones who are alive at the moment were, the ones that I know were like oh I was I don't know about five or six or I could barely remember it so yeah. that's the obvious answer saying that Saying that, when I got to six, six is very tempting. I mean, free tickets, tickets, home and away, for two people, so for yourself and one other. Think of the cash you're going to save. For life For life, that's it, okay. So I'd go with, personally, I'd go with six, but then you obviously want the end product. There's no point going with six. Um, Forget signing, forget five, signing any three players. That's, you know, I can't really, I mean, even if I said... Messi, Ronaldo. Messi, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, only, they're, they're the ones that are current now. Yeah. They're, they're, they'll be gone. So, um, The tempting thing would be to go for either one or two. I'd probably say two, mm. win the Premier League. But I can't see that happening with Enoch at the club, so I'm going to go with three. Three. And, and you're, you're <laughs> massively Enoch out now, aren't you? Yeah, basically, basically. So I've gone from a position of being not at all Levy out and actually being very critical of people who are Levy out. Um, and I... To, the Pochettino sacking really has done yeah. it for me. I, I should say that I, I, I think they've done a good job in terms of financially. We're secure. Mm. We don't have any debt. You go back to pre Alan Sugar when Evan Scholar was, and this is a point at which I was starting to support Spurs as kids in kind of about 90. We were, we were on the verge of bankruptcy. Okay, then Sugar comes in, we're a bit more stable, but now we're, we've actually got revenue streams are. Whatever they well, are, we're the eighth richest, richest side in the world now. Yeah. Is that what it yeah. was? Yeah. But some of that is going to be the Champions League yeah. revenue. So be interesting what it, what it will be in, in, in twelve months mm-hmm. from now. There's all of that. There's the investment in the training ground. 
the stadium, they are important. I know fans yeah. will, will mock that and they'll be like, yeah, but what about the trophy? Those things are really important. So they've done a really good job to get us where we are in terms of the, some of the stuff outside of the football, the, the mm-hmm. playing staff and the, what the product you see on the pitch. But I don't know that they can take us to the next level. Yeah. If I think you've got to, you've got to invest now in the squad, yeah. haven't you? That that that's really the only area mm-hmm. in the, this whole reign that now it's like right. If we want to kick on and become an elite European side, you've you've got to go for it now. There's no other way, really. Like we did, we've done it the organic way of yeah. getting the young players and building it. But and Poch was incredible at getting us there. But you know. You can't get any further than that. And that, that's not just also about money. It is about money in terms of investing, but it's also being shrewd in the transfer market and being and getting players out of the door quickly. And that concerns me as well. And getting deals done quickly. Because how many times have, have we had deals which are sort of last minute? And I know it's pop, the popular mythology is that it's Levy's fault, and some of it maybe isn't. Mm. Some of it maybe is outside factors and it's clubs. But you look at, say, the summer before last... Liverpool got Alisson and uh, Keita right at the beginning of the window. Yeah. Done. Business done. Players in. No uncertainty. Full pre-season. Full pre-season, all of that. Yeah. We've had a situation where deals are done this season. Something called Lisselso and Session that was done on the final day. Um, and we talked about it at the beginning, getting the players out of the door. I'm hearing, I don't know if you heard this about Carl Walker-Peters, apparently... You know, the palace. The palace. That apparently Levy wants twenty million for him. I don't know if this is true, but it's believable. But, it, but if it is true, you're sort of thinking, okay, maybe that's his. Maybe that's his potential value. I get that. But this is a player who is useless to us at the moment. He's not. He's, he's not, not even played his, ten Premier League yeah. games, is he? No. We, we, he's, he's clearly got no future at Spurs. Move him on. Get the deal done. Don't point, there's no point haggling and thinking that you're going to get 20 million. You're not going to get that for, for a player that, if I was Palace, I wouldn't pay that for him. Well, it's interesting because um, I heard through a, a, a fairly well known person that Walker Peters was going to go to Palace in the summer, mm-hmm. but we weren't able to get in another right back. And the fourth just going with Aurea, it gives me the shivers. Yeah. Um, so it got pulled. So, I mean, you'd sort of, if that's true, you sort of assume that, I mean, the deal's pretty much been done mm. since the summer but yet now he wants a load more cash I completely believe that he wants 20 million for him I completely believe and he'll probably end up getting about 17, 18 million but it'd be deadline day and what are we now the 20th of January we've brought Jetson Fernandes in can't say that I know a lot about him but hopefully he'll be good but again I agree with you like we've known about the, the striker situation we've known about how short we've been in other areas of the pitch for months and it's like it will be deadline day now which means that player won't be ready until middle to the end of February because they'll need to come and settle and get everything you know underway and, and you, it's sort of like really that's a signing for next season then isn't it which is sort of like it's great but we need we need somebody in now and just going back to Stato's question on those six options I would go for t- number two Tottenham to win the Premier League yeah. that would be the ultimate for me to see us win that um, and number six the, the free home and away tickets for life the thought of being able to say to my dad right here we go, it's a season ticket, we're going to do 38 league games home and away this year. I mean, that's pretty incredible. And, 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 and at least one of those seasons, we win the league. In a title winning season, yeah. I mean, that is, that's literally the dream. Now, we talk about that, you know, I mentioned there about going to 38 league games. You did a huge amount of yeah. home and away games, well, you always have done, but especially last year, which was, yeah. was it all of the league games last year? The calendar, yeah. You were acting yeah. in the calendar yeah. year. Um, which is an absolutely amazing commitment. Um, so obviously you would have seen quite a few away grounds. Were there any that stood out good and bad? Um, 
trying to think of my favourite away ground. Um, I like the, et- <laughs> the Etihad. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that the been to Man City a few times, and obviously I went to the um, the, the, the uh, Champions League. Yeah, which must have been yeah. absolutely bonkers. It was just crazy. I'm not a fan of VAR, but I suppose if it wasn't for VAR, yeah. you would be in a semi-final and then a. How so? How were you feeling? Firstly, you know, City scoring so early in that game, us then Sun scoring those two brilliant yeah. goals, and then the last minute where. A, was it a, no, it was Sterling or Guerra, whoever it was, put it in the back of the net, Guerra, and you think, think yeah. you think that's it, we're out. To yeah. then the jubilation of it's been disallowed. What what were you, what was it like it's in the just, stadium? It was bonkers. It was just bonkers. And, and and the guy who was next to me suddenly said, "I've gone to VAR," and and he was. I think he felt fairly, he was fairly confident that it mm. wouldn't be a goal. And I didn't, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, if it wasn't a VAR, that would be that would be yeah. it's fine margin. Um, if VAR hadn't existed, by the way, for that, and and they had gone, they'd beaten us, and subsequently I'd looked at it, I wouldn't be overly upset. It's just one, tight, wasn't yeah, it? it's just one of those decisions. Um, so it, just the craziness of going from one emotion yeah. to the next, um, it was and it's fantastic. And then I, and, and then a chorus of VAR, my lord, yeah, amazing. Um, so yeah. Um, and then of all the away days that you did, obviously that one have been up there. Were there any other like results where you were like that was that was amazing? Um, I'm trying to think. So, <laughs> in the, the the trouble is in the calendar year, yeah, just gone, gone. So many games. There's there's been a lot of in the league at least away games where we didn't do particularly yeah. well. In fact, it was a year ago today that we beat Fulham. Mm. Away from home, and then after that, we we it was pretty horrific. Wasn't yeah, it? Pretty, I think we we didn't win any away games until West Ham under Jose, Wolves under Jose, mm. and I think that's it. Yeah, it's nothing great. Um, so, what did you think of Fulham as a stadium? Because I, I went to Fulham a couple of years ago. I loved it there. It's it's a proper football lover stadium, isn't it? It's yeah, old it's, school. It's like dirty grounds. Like it's it's amazing. Do you know what's really? I, I went there last season for the for the Winks winner. And the time before, the one I won any time I went there before then was for the cup tie. Um, that was when I was there. Kane got a hat trick, didn't he? Yeah. And that, that atmosphere that day, yeah. um, Spurs fans just singing the thing I like most being a year and doing that yeah. quite, just continuously. That was really good. And that, I haven't, we had, that's, that's a really frustrating thing with this season, I find, um, both away and even, and, and, and also at home in the new stadium the atmosphere hasn't been good no. it hasn't been to no. that level and yeah Fulham great ground and the, f- the funny thing about Fulham is it, it's not too far from Stamford Bridge and an away day at Stamford Bridge is very different it's very yeah. hostile it's very you can feel the tension in the air Fulham nice family club nice part of London the concourse is on the outside yeah it's strange it's really weird it? yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a throwback to old school football. Old school. Isn't you've, got it? The, you've got the cottage as well, and yeah, it's nice. And for anybody that has never been to Fulham, it is freezing in that way, and because you are literally on the river, aren't you? The river is a stone's yeah. throw from the ground. When the wind gets up, you literally stand in there, and it is absolutely freezing the away end. But absolutely brilliant ground, Fulham. Loved it. And let's talk about the game at the weekend. Um, Watford nil, Spurs nil. I was trying to think about the last time we had an away nil nil, and I I, I, I couldn't think of it. I, I okay, I so I, I know the last in the league, or just or any competition, just in general. 
Um, the last time we played, we had a nil-nil in the league. Yeah. It was uh, against Swansea at Wembley, September 2017. So, 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 so that, was, away, yeah. that was at home. In the league, we drew three years ago. I don't know if it against Sunderland on a oh, Tuesday night, yeah, the Danny yeah. Rose getting an injury game. Yeah. I don't know if we had any nil-nils away from home since then. Um, I suspect not, because that was 20... 16, 17, that yeah. was January 2017, and I don't think we, we had any nil nil for the rest of that. So, yeah, that would that just last I was racking my brains thinking, oh, I just cannot ever recall it. Now, there are positives to take from that in terms of you go away from and keep a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Now, defensively, great, especially because that's been a massive yep. issue for us. Um, and I actually thought that we defended and dealt with Watford okay. You know how they're going to play, they're going to get it up to Deeney, it's going to be yep. a battle, you've got to compete for the second balls. It's a real 50-50 kind of game because they just... You can't blame them for playing the way they play, but they take sort of the skill element out of it um, and it's just 50-50s. And, you know, you could put me up against a professional. I'm going to win some balls in the air and some knockdowns. That's, just, that's the way it is. So I thought we coped pretty well with it. I thought from an attacking point of view and a control point of view, we were pretty poor mm-hmm. in terms of just keeping the ball. It felt... It was literally almost like we were playing against a concrete wall. We'd get it, kick it, bounce back, kick it, bounce back. And that was just sort of how the game went. There weren't really any periods where either team just sort of had somebody that put the foot on the ball, yeah. controlled the tempo, which was frustrating because you look at the players we had out there, we had Lascelles out there, we had Winks. I thought that it was going to be a Winks game where he would just sort of run it, but it was okay. Um, didn't, didn't have a bad game, but I just thought that maybe those kind of players might have done a little bit more. Um, and to be honest, at half-time I was sat there thinking, that, to be honest, if we get out of here with a point, I'll probably take that now. Not that that would be what I wanted before the game, but just given that it was a real, real poor game, a real dross of football. Um, and they'll say get the penalty in the second half, and at that point you're just thinking, here we go. You're thinking Deeney's normally pretty good from the spot, he's going to smash this in, 1-0 down, it's going to be another painful defeat. But Gazaniga... Pulls out the heroics, excellent save. It wasn't a particularly good penalty, but great save from Gazaniga. And we managed to get out there with the draw. I thought we'd nicked it at the end with the Lamella chance. Um, I was watching on TV and it, it looked in. We, I was just up cheering, thinking we'd nicked it, but it was some like two millimetres away, weren't we? Could you see much of it from where you were? Um, it was the opposite side to me, so I didn't know how close it was until somebody sent me a picture of the. the yeah. It was. Um, I thought the first 20 minutes we were fine. I thought we started off okay. There was a few. I thought we should have had a penalty early on for the handball. I've seen it back and it's like, it's quite, I think it's Dawson. Mm-hmm. It's quite close to him, but again, I, I, I don't really understand what the rules of the game are. And the handball penalties really, after Madrid, yeah. handball penalties now just infuriate me because I'm like, we got one given again. In my mind now, anything should be a penalty because we had that given again. So no rules have changed and all that, but. I just thought I thought it was penalty. To me personally, I and mean, the rules are what, what they are, and, and I suppose if if you, if if, 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 you, if I don't like the rules, but if they're consistent and they're followed, mm. then so be it. But personally speaking, um, was it the, was it Bournemouth Norwich at the weekend? Mm. The guy, Steve <laughs> Cook. That, to me, that that's hand. Best that's save handball. I've ever seen. That's handball. That's a penalty. That's a fending off. Anything else generally? Um, that's a bit of an extreme, but. A lot of handballs I see, it's not deliberate. Even the soaker, where is he supposed to put his hand? I mean, mm. you can't always do... This is not make great for a great yeah. problem. You can't, yeah. always, you can't always stick your... Stick, stick, as a defender, I know Toby does it, where you sort of stick your hands like that behind your back. Um, 
but sometimes, you know, for example, uh, the Yan one, yeah, it was a pen, but he's going down. He's where is he supposed to be? Some of it is just like human nature. Your hands are. If you were to there. get up, run, and slide with your feet in front mm-hmm. of you, your hand is going to go up. Yeah. Now, I thought the, I thought it was a penalty to the time, mm-hmm. I thought, and I thought our one in the first half was a penalty. But like you said, it's consistency. And Kapu was probably lucky to have stayed on the pitch. Like the tackle yeah. on Tanganga, um, I've seen it back quite a few times. But in real time, I thought all oh, that looks high, and I thought that was probably a yellow. Maybe, maybe if an orange card existed, it would have probably been an orange. And then five minutes later, he takes out whoever I think it was Delielli was running with the ball. And, you know, he, he probably should have gone. Um, and it's just frustrating, is it, with VAR that that Kapu didn't even get a yellow for it. But then there'll be an instant this week when someone will get a red for that. And it's just, I don't think it's necessarily VAR's fault. I think that's just refereeing. It's just not consistent enough in all aspects mm. of the game. Um, which is a frustrating. I think VAR p- perpetuates the issue of bad decisions or, or, or rules that perhaps a lot of people now don't understand yeah. or don't agree with that have been introduced. Yeah. Um, and I think VAR just magnifies it. I'm I'm not a fan of VAR because of that reason, but also because of the, the how it affects the live experience. It's shocking in the stadium when yeah. there's a check and you're just, and there's no explanation, there's nothing at all is there and it's and like... It's so slow sometimes, and, and even now, there have been games where we score a goal and, and I'm pretty certain the goal's fine. And then I'm celebrating and suddenly the back of my mind I'm like, oh, yeah. and, I, and I stop celebrating. And then I've, you've still got to get the customary check. The ones that really annoy me are the ones where, say... Um, a, there's a penalty decision that there's a penalty check for you and you know it's not a penalty yeah and it's almost like the rubbing soul into wounds you know it's not a penalty it's not a question if you know yeah. that they won't give it to you you know that it's not a penalty yeah. and I'm all the way the other side of the pitch and they check things like that it's, it's just the inconsistency of it yeah. um, I, I would just I, I think that we should be using technology to help officials out uh-huh. but they just have not yet figured out how to use it and I just think that there's so much common sense they've just not applied and they, they haven't looked at other sports so like rugby use technology very yeah. very well cricket I think cricket use it fantastically because it keeps the referees or the umpire in cricket's case decision um, as sort of the primary decision I think this is the route we have to go down with the offsides nobody in football thinks that apart from Michael Owen mm-hmm. thinks that offsides should be down to sort of like a millimetre and yeah. is your armpit on or off that, that's ridiculous. In my opinion, they just need to come up with a bit of a uh, grace length, where it, whether or not that's 10 centimetres, 50 centimetres, half a minute, whatever it is, and they can figure that stuff out. And it's just sort of like, it's like in cricket, you get an LBW decision. Mm-hmm. If it's marginal, you stay with the on-field decision. Yeah. And that's what football should be. And then it's quick. And if it's outside that grace length, whatever they decide it to be, that's when you can overturn the decision. If it's very, very tight and marginal, Go with the on-field decision. You know what I mean? It, football is not meant to be at that level. It's just, it really is ruining the game. And I know there are people that are like, oh, you still celebrate goals when they go in. Yes, you do. But what you described is exactly what a fan goes through. You celebrate and you think, oh, actually, that looked quite, that first yeah. pass, that looked quite tight. Oh, yeah, I bet he's off. And then, but but when, I, I even think that when it looks completely fine, it's just changed my mindset completely. Yeah, it's, so, it's so, so strange. And, and the thing that I don't like as well is you get, you know, I mean, I mean I've celebrated when VAR have overturned a goal for the opposition, but it, it shouldn't be like that. It just should not happen. Like Sheffield United's home game when we still had Poch mm-hmm. and they had that stink. I mean, he, yeah. his, his toe was offside, wasn't it? 
and, it, and we're all up celebrating as if we'd scored, and it's just, I don't know, I don't, I just don't like there it. There was two on the two offside ones I saw recently. So Boxing Day, I think it winks beautiful ball over the top over to Kane. Kane scored. I thought it was fine, and then it, that was ruled yeah. offside. To me, that wasn't offside. I didn't care if it was t- the time. Yeah. And then a few days later, so just so not doing something biased. Pookie again. I think it was Pookie against us for Norwich, and that was ruled offside. I mean, that, I just, I that, looked, that, offside. that looked so far onside, yeah. didn't it? But then they change the angle and they zoom in, and, and it, it just it shouldn't be like that. And I, I've, part of me feels for the people that are doing the VAR because obviously they've just been told you have to implement the rules. So I feel for them in a way, but they just need to have a bit of common sense and logic behind. Well, the referee needs to have a bit more autonomy here, and 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 and, and to. You know, over overrule them or just say no. This is you know, or okay. Well, let me let me see. Let, let me. And that happened at the weekend, didn't it? In a game, I, I can't remember what Premier League game was. It Michael Oliver was refereeing a game. Yeah, and, I and think he that, went to the monitor. That's and right. I think they've, they've actually said that, that they've, they've encouraged that they've, the Premier League have said from now on this season, from the season, they're going to be looking at the monitors, which which is good, and that's what they do in the continent. That's what they did at the World Cup. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's the way forward and the other change that I would like to see happening is you know you watch a game of rugby and you can hear the conversation same in cricket yeah. you can hear the conversation between the, the people that are looking at the technology mm-hmm. and the on-field referee or umpire and that, that's all you want as fans you just want to understand especially when you're in the ground what's going on and I think back to the first leg against Man City last year when Loris saved Aguero's penalty and I didn't understand why that penalty had been given until I'd got home and watched the highlights. And that, that as a fan, is just absolutely mm. baffling. I remember Rose getting a block in, a ricochet out for corner penalty. What? What's that? Whereas if they just say, oh yeah, right, we're checking for a penalty, Danny Rose handball, they don't even necessarily have to show it because I understand that if they show the image in the ground, that could cause problems. But at least let us know what you're checking rather than just say penalty check. It's like, I don't really know what you're looking at, but... Anyway, that's my view on VAR. Um, we've got a game tomorrow night. Um, we are playing Norwich tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Wednesday night, yeah. Wednesday night against Norwich. Now, we, we played them not so long ago, drew 2-2. Um, it can be a difficult game, as they all are. They'll come, they'll get men behind the ball, they'll try and frustrate us. They've got an ice-cold finisher up front. We give chances away, so I think it's going to be one of those that could go either way. It could be, you know, like a like the Burnley game or like the Middlesbrough game you get in front early and it looks quite comfortable but it could not be that and it could be that they score and it's frustrating for us so how do you think that game's going to go? Well I think we'll concede I'm pretty much going to every game now yeah. thinking we will at least concede one goal um, Pookie's a threat as you said they play good football um, which hopefully means that it will open things up it won't necessarily be part of the bus if we we did what we did against Middlesbrough last week in the cup tie, and I know it was Middlesbrough and the poor opposition, but one thing that impressed me about the football that night was, particularly under a Jose team at Spurs, was we've kept the ball on the deck. With none of his hoofing it, we kept it on the deck, which was good. We played it out and back, kept it on the deck, and we moved the ball quickly. Mm. And that's, whether that's been under Jose or, or Pochettino at his very worst towards the end, but even, even in the glory days in the Washington. there were games occasional games where it was frustrating and it was frustrating yeah. when we moved the ball slowly we, and what, if we, we've got the personnel we've got the likes of Lacelso, who's tricky Ericsson if he starts um, who can find that pass and who can move the ball quickly Winks um, 
fans criticise him because he's got the sort of sideways passes and passes it back. But he's, I think technically he's a very good footballer. You've got to keep the ball as well. You've got, you've got areas, keep, you? Yeah, you've got to dictate the what somebody like Winks could do if he imposed himself a bit more. And, he, and he's done this in the past. He did it um, a couple of years ago against Liverpool when we won four one and um, against Madrid away. They, it's not always about assists it's not always about it's, a, it's about dictating the tempo and, and Ericsson can do that um, maybe not this season yeah. but he's that type of player and if we can dictate the tempo pass the ball quickly then hopefully we can pull them apart and I know we haven't got a recognised striker up front but I think we, we still have enough quality yeah. at home to beat them and, and Norwich aren't renowned for being defensively solid anyway are they no. you know, you'd like to think with the attacking players we've got we can cause them some problems so I think that we'll get a result. I don't think it'll be comfortable. Mm. I think it'll be a 2-1. Yeah. I think it'll just be one of those games that's nervy. They might even go in front. Um, you know how the Brighton game on Boxing Day was? Mm-hmm. I could see it being a little bit like that, where you're just not, you're not quite sure what's going to happen. But this is a big game for us. We need to get the win. Um, we've got the FA Cup at the weekend, yeah. which you know is, is also a massive game. Um, I hope that Southampton would rest some players but given where they now are in the league that you know they're in a position now where they can go for that game whereas three or four weeks ago they would have you know they would have near enough thrown that game they can go the for, they can go for the cup never mind the yeah. game they can they can yeah. why not um they can yeah and and Ings is on form so I think that that would be a dangerous dangerous game Southampton again because of the way they play and the way we play it's almost you know they like to pounce on teams and then win it high up and we tend to make quite a few mistakes in our own half so I don't have uh, my expectations aren't particularly high for that game and I think they'll beat us I think they'll do a number number on us but you know the only thing I would say is we played so badly on New Year's Day against them and we've played them recently Jose's played them recently and you know tactically he's one of the best coaches in in football and, and hopefully we will set up and in a, in a particular way and, and, and bounce back and we know that was the last game that Kane played and he got yeah got like injury. injury right so we haven't got we haven't got the big target man that, that um, Mourinho wants in some ways I'm glad because I remember that game the Tongan hoofing it up a lot to Kane and, it, and occasionally to Delhi but, but he wasn't winning the ball it, was, yeah. it wasn't, wasn't fun to watch um so I think we know what we've got. We know the players are back at our disposal. Lloris might be back soon. Which would be massive. Um, somebody told me Dombele was back as well, possibly. Yeah. So um, we could do it. But if, we, if, if you're going to push me for a prediction, I would say I fancy Southampton. But that's, that's fine. Yeah. If, 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 if that doesn't happen, if, if we, I'll be, I'd rather be think the worst and then be yeah. pleasant, pleasant well I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to say we're going to get two wins and it's going to be a brilliant week and hopefully a turning point in the season yeah. but we will see you never know with Spurs do you um, Javad pleasure as always um, to chat to you about all things Spurs um, remember whatever happens this week future's bright future's lily white come on you Spurs I always thought there was very very many people interested in football and I always thought that football was a very important game but I never realised until today just how important it is whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world.
We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsmann. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.